Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. I think at the beginning, it was a bit confusing for me because in my previous jobs, I was the client for HR. Then when I became HR, I realized that the people in the company are my clients and you see it from a different light. You can't apply the same ways that you used before. You have to connect with them on a, on a different level. And, and it's a bit challenging. Mm. I, I have to say the generational gap is a bit challenging because you could have like a 10-year or 15-year gap between some senior leaders and new joiners. Mm. And the gap will be massive. So to be able to bridge that gap, you need to put more emphasis on understanding different views, understanding different working styles, understanding how to connect with different people. In our day-to-day life, there's so many stressors, even if it's not work-related. It's driving the car, replying to messages. Mm -hmm. And you're just pulled into so many different directions. You need to come back and... um... Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heron Code Women in Leadership podcast, a podcast which is now into season three. How amazing is that? And you've all been riding with us this whole time. Season one, we had incredible individuals who are still close friends to this day. Season two, we built on that. We broke out into different industries. And season three, you are in for an absolute treat. And furthermore, if you follow us on Instagram, you know this already. The Heron Code Women in Leadership podcast season one is available on Emirates Airlines. That is all Emirates Airlines. So every time you jump on a flight with Emirates, make sure to check us out 30,000 feet in the air. We are there for the whole world to listen to us. Season three, I'm so excited to get started. Uh, My name is Nimi Mehta. Excited to be your host for yet another season. And again, we have wonderful, experienced and incredibly, uh, I would say, powerful women on season three. And to kick off this episode, I'd like to introduce you to our guest. Uh, We have Rasha Sadan, a seasoned Saudi professional who is bringing more than 16 years of expertise as a HR executive across various sectors. Her experience is really honed in in areas such as engagement and culture, diversity and inclusion, transformation and HR business. Rasha continues to make a substantial impact, not only in her company, but also within the broader HR community. Rasha, welcome. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? So excited to have you here. We've had a little chat, a brief chat beforehand, but I am excited to find out so much more about you. 16 years of expertise. I'm sure. I mean, the first question is, does it feel like 16 years? Does it feel shorter? Does it feel longer? It feels definitely shorter. (laughs) Does it really? Why do you think that is? I don't know. It passed really quickly. And when I say now 2008, I feel like it was a few years ago, but it's not. (laughs) Well, you know what? It just, it proves you love what you do, I guess, because it has gone so, so quickly. So I would love for people to know you as who you are and the person behind all the titles I just mentioned and all the history. You were born and raised in Riyadh. True. 
tell me about that time. What what was it like? Because now the Saudi we know is very different to, I'm sure, the Saudi you were raised in. Could you yeah. tell me more about your culture and your background? So um, I was born and raised in Saudi, um, I, uh, in Riyadh specifically. I went to a private school, so I had a, a more diverse school when it comes to teachers and to students as well. I remember Mrs. Rose very clearly because mm-hmm. she taught us from fifth grade until we graduated high school. Wow. But I was lucky enough to be one of the pioneers to enter the private workforce when I graduated university. It was opening up to have more women. It, wasn't, it was no longer just for um, government sector or schools or hospitals. So, mm. and, and I was really lucky to be part of that movement. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, you say it so easily. But it doesn't just happen overnight, does it? True. It takes, first of all, creating a dream in your mind and then mm-hmm. taking the actions and the steps towards the goal and it's baby steps towards it. So when you were going through that younger education, did you have an idea in mind of like who you wanted to be and what you wanted to be? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, not at all. And even, even my studies in university, I studied English literature and linguistics. And going into that field, you didn't really have a career mapped out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, uh, I didn't know what, what I could do. And um, which led to me doing a little bit of trials here and there until, mm. until I fell by pure coincidence into human resources. And um, I guess that was my calling. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to know that not everyone has their career planned out for them when they graduate from university, especially... In my case, because I could be a teacher who teaches English, but I didn't want to teach. Mm. But that didn't hinder me from going into the business world and, and exploring that. Mm. So, um, so yeah. Wow. And, and tell me, like, who was younger Russia? Like, who was she? What were her characteristics? If you could paint a picture for us, like, what would your mom say when she, if she's describing you as a, as a young girl? I think I've always been a people's person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like to socialize and talk to people and get to know people from different countries and different backgrounds. So uh, I guess that's why HR called me. <laughs> totally. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. And, and I think this is why I really, really enjoy it. Mm. Uh, it's because it's all about the people. And, um, and I'll talk more a little a bit, a bit later about how human resources is not just about processes and operationals and systems. It's mm. actually about the humans and the organization. And I think there's a stereotype around that, which we will yeah. absolutely look to break a, a bit later on. So, okay, take me to where you said you broke into the private sector, which was out of the norm at the time because they finally outreached to a different, I guess, demographic of people that weren't in the government. Did you go straight into HR then? No, mm-hmm. uh, I was in customer service okay. uh, for a few years. I joined the bank and I have to tell you that being a teller in the bank was one of the most fun jobs I have had. <sighs> it was really fun. It was just so different, dealing with different people people coming with a lot of cash to yeah. deposit or, mm-hmm. or withdrawing a lot of cash. And I really enjoyed that, but I didn't do it for long. I just didn't feel like that was something that I enjoyed. And, and this, is, this goes back to what I said. It's okay to try until you find something that you can feel passionate. And you can't be 100% passionate, of mm. course, just to be realistic. Yeah. But just that you find yourself in that role. And um, I applied for a job for a learning and development coordinator 
And that's how my HR job started. I didn't know much about HR back then. I didn't know much about the sector that I joined. Mm. But uh, 16 years later, I'm here. 16 <laughs> years later, you are here on the Herring Code podcast. Um, so, so that first role in HR... It's scary if you don't know the industry, if, yeah. you know, you haven't worked in it before. It's brand new. Yeah. It's positive, though, because it's a clean slate. You're, yeah. you're a sponge. You're ready to absorb. Talk me through that first year of being in the industry. What was it that you loved? What was it that was challenging for you? I think at the beginning, it was a bit confusing for me because in my previous jobs, I was the client for HR. So I had demands mm. of HR. But then when I became... HR, I realized that the people in the company are my clients and you see it from a different light because for them to be able to do their jobs properly and focus and relax, all their their HR issues and matters must be taken care of. Mm. So changing my mindset from having external clients and my previous customer care Mm. jobs to having internal clients was a bit of of a shift. Back then, HR wasn't, especially in this region, wasn't as advanced as it is now. Like now you talk about strategic HR, culture, engagement, diversity. Back then, these things were not really big or not on the table. So it was more of, um, I would say, a simpler version of, mm. of HR. But then I, I grew with it. So, And I think, I, I think that was actually a good thing, that I got to observe it gradually to reach where I am today, starting from operational and systems and then going into consultancy and and just Mm -hmm. growing into that. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting that shift in perspective, because not only did you see HR from outside in, you also saw it from inside out. True. And so it's interesting to see that you saw it as an external kind of entity away from the company that you're within, because I guess you have to have that kind of matter of fact stance on it, especially when it comes to people. People are the most simply yet complicated, beautiful creatures out there. And you said before you're a people's person. It takes a lot of skill to be a people's person as well. You can naturally be it through your personality. But what other characteristics of yours do you think it took to be a people's person? I think it requires a lot of empathy and something else that maybe also helped me grow in my career and gave me more excitement and got me more engaged is this cultural curiosity. Because once I started to grow in my career, I I started to work with different backgrounds and different nationalities. And sometimes people from the same country, but like with very different mindsets. And and the more more diversity came into the, the table, you could see different different mindsets and different ways of working. And I remember in in one of my jobs, I had a colleague who's my friend now. She's a true example of being culturally curious. Mm. And she inspired me because she came in, she's from Australia. Mm -hmm. So she came to the region with genuine curiosity, with no judgment. Like Mm. she wants to know how things are done in Saudi, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's appropriate in this country. Do you say this? Do you shake a man's hand? And without judgment. And prior to her, I was getting a lot of other people who would have a little bit of judgment or like they think their culture is the culture that you need to follow. And mm. and she really, she really inspired me to be open and to understand different backgrounds and different cultures. And 
I ended up with her and other colleagues doing like intercultural intelligence trainings to help people within the organization understand different worldviews because mm. it is it's not one size fit all and even if you have the big company culture still within that you have many 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 layers mm. and i actually was so interested in this topic that i took a course at NCAD. it's about leading uh, across borders and cultures and about cultural maps it's a whole different world wow. so so I, maybe that goes i don't know if that answers your question it does, but yeah. but but these are the things that that interest me in this field it's Mm. not just it's not just the processes it's the connection it's understanding the people and where they come from yeah and and all of that and and the cultural aspect is massive and I I can tell you you could go to a company in Saudi for example and it would have 80% of Saudis Mm -hmm. but it's not they are not all the same they have Mm -hmm. they really have different backgrounds they come from different regions I mean you can see yourself with your own family yeah it's very very different Mm -hmm. so you can't say that this part of the world has this culture and this part of the world has that culture you you could could be from this part but with that culture and you know Totally. And it's treating people as individuals. It's not generalizing. So I I do want to now let let's talk about breaking that stereotype about HR. You said, you know, when you first entered, it was quite a simplistic view and approach to HR. Now, all these years later in 2023, um, (laughs) we don't have enough time to go through all the years. But talk to me about the transformation of HR. How and why do you think it's transformed? Was it demanded? Was it needed in order for a company to function and structure themselves correctly? How would you view HR? What is HR to you? I think in the past many years, a few years, let's let's go to the closer years, there mm. has been a shift in the understanding of how people go on doing their jobs. And part of it came under well-being. Mm. Um, it came under valuing your people. I think one big fact is the cultural difference, sorry, the generational differences. So more and more younger people are coming into the workforce and with all the um, technology they're exposed to and all the new ways of everything, you can't apply the same ways that you used before. You have to connect with them on a, on a different level. And, and it's a bit challenging. Mm. I, I have to say the generational gap is a bit challenging because you could have like a 10 year or 15 years gap between some senior leaders and new joiners mm. and the gap will be massive. So to be able to bridge that gap, you need to put more emphasis on understanding different views, understanding different working styles, understanding how to connect with different people. Whereas in the past I don't want to use the word simpler. It wasn't simpler, but mm-hmm. it, people were more similar, I, I could say, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So so they, they all came with the same mindset. Mm. However, nowadays it's very different. I find that when I have a new joiner in my team from the super young generation, especially if they just graduate college, mm-hmm. they're so bright and they're so um, excited and they're full of energy and they're, they, need, they need a different way of managing mm. than... Like 10 years ago. Totally. And they need to be understood. I I guess communication is key when it comes to HR. What is your approach to communication? Because it's interesting. It must be for you, there is one way to speak to a certain generation and a certain use of language, a certain use of terms. It's very different when you're speaking to the younger generation. So talk to me about communication within HR and how it differentiates between the company and the structures and the teams. 
I think there is a big focus on diversity, 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 and it's easy to to create diversity. But there isn't enough focus on the word inclusion because mm-hmm. if you have a big diverse group, but they're not all, they don't all feel included, then you will feel that they will feel this mis- this disconnection, and they will not feel connected, and and you will actually um, you'll actually lose them. Mm-hmm. So so you need to especially with the young people, you need to listen to them and, and not just tell them, just mm. listen to them, engage with them. At some point, it can be challenging <laughs> because they would, sometimes they might be a bit more opinionated than others, but you need to give them room to speak and understand and express themselves. And to them, it's very important. Mm. To me, when I was their age, it wasn't as important because yeah. I guess I was programmed to listen more than to talk. Mm-hmm. And if I'm told to do something, I'd say, yes, I will not question it yeah. <laughs> as much as they do now. But that doesn't mean that questioning it is wrong. But if the leaders or managers don't know how to communicate with them, then that will create friction and it will create disengagement. Mm. And, and, and these young people have a lot to offer. Yeah. So so you need to you need to invest in them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you spoke earlier about a, a teacher, Dr. Rose, was it? Mrs. Rose. Mrs. Rose yes. that you had as a I guess like a role model yeah. she would have been. A teacher from a young age who was with you for so many years. Eight years. She Eight taught years. us English. Wow. Yeah. And now you speak about, you know, young individuals within companies who you know, need direction and need to be listened to. And role model comes to mind again, you know, to create role models for them. For you, after Mrs. Rose, were there certain individuals within HR that naturally, organically progressed to be role models or people that you looked up to that you could get guidance and advice from? Of course. And HR and out of HR. Mm. Um, I mean, I was I was very lucky in one of my jobs to have a great mentor that I'm still in touch with. And, and he really supported me during my career. I still go back to him for advice. And I think, I think it's because he listened to me and, and, and he gave me space to, to express myself. At one point with that company, I was feeling a bit burnt out. I felt a bit overwhelmed and I wasn't feeling myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I went to talk to him. I usually never cry, mm-hmm. especially not in the office. But <laughs> I remember I was I was really overwhelmed and I went to his office and I told him I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I could see that. And then I started crying. And and I remember people were watching me outside and I was like, oh, they probably think he's firing me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> not the case. <laughs> not but, the case. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not usually a vulnerable person at work, but... Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, I, was, I, I needed to express myself. And I told him that I needed to take some time off. I need some time to just, just calm down. And every one of us go through that at some point mm. in their lives. He was very understanding. He told me, take all the time you need. And, and, and he gave me very good advice. And, and I, really, I really thank him for that, mm. for him to give me that room. So I think my relationship with him is how I want to have relationships with my with my teams. Yeah. And I try, it, it, it's not one size that fits all, mm. but, um, but it's very important to connect with humans as humans, mm. not, not just as a task-oriented person. Totally. So it's, it's, I like to say that I like to 
keep the human alive and human resources. Mm, it's I very important. I really, really love that. And, and let's talk about that human side then. You just touched on vulnerability. It's something that I feel like no matter what industry you're in, you are really afraid to be vulnerable in the workspace. Yeah, I'm not sure if the environment is built like that. I don't know if it's the people within the environment, whether it's particular industries that are a lot more tough than others. Where do you stand on vulnerability and where is the line when it comes to being vulnerable at work? You don't want an individual who's crying every day, of course, because <laughs> then work productivity is low. Yeah. Where, where is that line? I think it's a bit difficult to define the mm. line, but I think it's important to, to give that comfort to your people that they need to feel that you care about their well-being mm. and that if they are going through something, then they can come talk to you about it. Mm. But if, if they are always going through something, and, and that can happen sometimes, some people will always come up with something, then the credibility will be a bit lost, if yeah. you see what I mean. But um, I really think we shouldn't be so rigid in the workplace because we spend half of our lives there, if mm -hmm. not more. Mm -hmm. So you want to go to a place where you are seen and heard and, and, and appreciated. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not rainbows and butterflies all the time. I need to emphasize that there are tough days and there are days that will be a struggle. It will not always be so pleasant, but you need to feel safe. I think it's safe. The word is safe to, to show some vulnerability if you have to, mm -hmm. and to trust that this person you're vulnerable with will actually help you mm. get through that. Mm. And that's how you felt when you, I guess, went to the gentleman that you were, you were speaking about. And, and one thing you touched on was you were feeling burnt out. Yeah. And, and burnout is such a buzzword. You know, it means so many different things because it's situational. You know, it's dependent on what's going on with you. Talk me through that time for you. First of all, how did you recognize you were burnt out? Um, it took me a while mm. to recognize, but I felt like I wasn't performing the way that I want to. And I felt that it was really difficult to, to, to deliver. And for me, I think it was very important, a value for me, is that my, my brand is, is a strong, solid brand. I didn't want to... I don't want to be remembered, oh, yeah, at the end, she didn't really do her job or she was. I think that was what caught my attention. Mm. And this is how I spoke to him. I told him, I don't want you to come to me one day and tell me, Russia, you're not performing. Mm. I don't want that. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can't perform anymore. Mm. And this was how many years ago was that? It was maybe seven or eight years ago. Mm. And it taught me that you need to listen to yourself. But there's also a very thin line. Like you could have a bad week. That doesn't mean you're burnt out. You know, yeah. you, you need to really like listen inwards and, and see like, are you just burnt out at work? Are you burnt out at work? And out of work is every, because at that time I feel like in, in general, I just needed, I needed a, a break. It wasn't just from the job. Mm. So it's important to listen to yourself and be true to yourself mm. and always seek guidance. It's, um, there's no shame in that. No, absolutely not. Support is key, I think. Uh, you know, they say it takes a village. It really, really does to help one individual, you know, I guess, live out their purpose and yeah. do what they love. So you must have then built, I guess, factors into maybe your daily routine or whatever it may be to create staples of self-care for yourself, to ensure that you're 
able to perform highly at work, but then also perform highly at home as an individual, whatever your roles or different hats you may wear. Talk to me about that self-care for you. How important has that been personally and professionally? And I guess what tips and guidance can you give to our listeners on, on what they can do? I think that's my personality, but I wasn't really a relaxed person. I was mm. like always like, like too serious. <laughs> and then sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And um, so after that conversation and when I decided to take some time off, I started to think like, what could I do? And, and I did start implementing a few things I, and I still try to keep doing them. Like I, I started working out regularly mm. and, uh, and I don't know, it was an eye opener for me that you don't just work out to have a nice figure. You work out to release tension, mm-hmm. to, to calm down, to, to let out stress, to sleep better, to feel better. It's, and I guess I always thought you work out just to look good yeah. and not to feel good mentally and emotionally. Again, by coincidence, I was introduced to restorative yoga. I have um, an amazing yoga instructor. We do yin yoga. I, I love it. It really helps me. Mm-hmm. It really helps me calm down. I think these things are very important because in our day-to-day life, there's so many stressors, even if it's not work-related. It's driving the, the car, replying to messages. Mm-hmm. And you're just pulled into so many different directions. You need to come back. And, and, and one thing that I also did for a long time and I, I do now, but not as religiously. Mm. I, I like to meditate. Mm. I, think, I think it is very powerful. Although if you asked me about it a few years ago, I would say, yeah, no, I don't believe in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I tried it, it's extremely, extremely powerful. Like mm. I did it every day for a few months, every day. Wow. And it just calms you down. Mm. And we need to calm down. <laughs> we really do. We really do. And you don't have to be angry or upset or stressed, but it's just to, because as you said, like 16 years pass so quickly. Days go by so quickly. We are 2023 already, soon to be 2024. Mm-hmm. You want to be present. And I realized the value of being present through meditation, mm. just being present in the moment, which is very difficult. Mm, because before you know it, not just the good moments, the bad moments, everything in between is gone and you weren't really there yes. to acknowledge these moments in your life. Um, you know, it's so great to sit here and talk to you about all of this. I would like to ask you before I ask you the last question, okay. um, but what's specific to this podcast in particular is every woman that I've spoken to, you know, has spoken about their industry from their perspective, from from being a woman. And something that, you know, you said earlier, empathy was is a key, key thing about your particular industry in HR, having empathy for the people. Do you think that it's easier for women to have empathy than it is for men to have empathy? Do you think that there is something particular about women in human resources that just works? Maybe yes, Mm. because you see a lot of professionals and human resources are women. I mean, I don't have enough data to support my argument, but but maybe because women by nature are more nurturing and and they are more connected to their feelings and the human element in Mm. that. So maybe that could be a reason. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think women have a skill to connect and express their feelings, maybe maybe a little bit more than some men. Some men can do it as well. Yeah. But women in general are um, are more capable of expressing feelings. I find that, that men, 
Like I, when I talk to people at work and mm. I find men struggle to express how they feel. So you have to spend more time with them to, mm. to have them open up. But when they open up, they, they open up. Definitely. And yeah. I think like also approachability for what you do. You know, you spoke about the younger generation feeling comfortable and we spoke about a safe space to be able to be vulnerable. I think definitely approachability is a factor. Lastly, Russia, I want to know what's happening next? Where where are you going next? 16 years. You have now been in Dubai for five years. What's the legacy? So I think I'm at a point in my career where I'm not really looking to become bigger. Mm. I think I would like to focus more on on individuals and 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 their needs and how to empower them to go through their careers and how to get over some challenges, some weaknesses. I mean, in my day-to-day job, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, so I decided that I would like to focus a little bit more on that. I'm currently doing my NCAD coaching certificate. Yeah. And and I would I would like really to to help professionals and their jobs mm. to um, to enjoy their jobs and to connect with it and not just have it a chore or task or just something mm-hmm. it's just a job and just to help I think the the younger people now they need some guidance it can be a little bit overwhelming and to some women as well um, how would they grow in their careers how can they explore their potential where do they want to go mm-hmm. how do they want to grow some people could be in their own career and they they want to move somewhere else. They just don't know how to do it. So I guess what's next for me is I'd like to to use the knowledge and the experience I had and mm-hmm. to add to it from this course as well and to help coach people explore their, their career journeys. I love that. I know you said earlier that you highlight the human and human resources, but I have a new tagline for you. I feel like <laughs> you should you should just say highlighting the human and human being from now on that is literally what you're doing that's true I like that too I love that Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you thank you so much for your time and all all the luck in the world with everything that you're doing thank you thank Thank you you so much thank you for having me absolutely thank you shukran women in leadership brought to you by Heron Code 